0: What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I've really been enjoying doing these shows lately, especially with some of these guests that we've had. And some of these topics that we've covered, I think that they're just really important topics. And I've been able to talk to some really great people. And so I've been loving it. I hope some of you have been loving it as well. And If you have make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you know of other physicians that might benefit from hearing this, make sure to share it with them. That's really important because that's how we get the word out on this. I also wanted to give you some props for continuing to listen and work hard on your finances. The more you learn, the more you're gonna gain confidence and be able to put this stuff into action. So good work on your end. I'm pumped today to share my conversation. My guest, it's another great conversation. She's fantastic. I'm sure you'll get the, the feeling yourself after you start to listen. My guest today is Dr. Latifat Akintade. What I love about her is she's just a very authentic person. She's constantly questioning some of these things that are really important, but a lot of us are too fearful to question. She's definitely one that is in touch with her values and focused on living a life with purpose. And she really sees money as a tool, not just to, you know, not to make her rich, but to really help her live more in alignment with what she would consider most important in life. And so none of this was really handed to her on a platter. She also talks about some of the hard work she's had to go through to get to this point where she's really using money to help her to live a better life. Originally was born in Nigeria and moved to the United States and didn't start out with this money knowledge. She's, like I said, had to do some of this hard work on educating herself. She's, in, she's a practicing GI physician now and was fortunate enough to have student loans along the way to kind of help finance that education. And now that she's, so she's you'll see this too. She's really figured out, you know, how to do money to the point where now she's actually teaching other women, how to do money through her business money fit MD, which consists of the podcast and courses. And even recently she's written her book, which comes out May 2nd. It's called Done With Broke, A Woman Physician's Guide to More Money and Less Hustle. So make sure to check that out as well once we get to that point. And so she shares some of her money lessons and experiences and how it's so important to also work on your relationship with money and money mindset. And she shares some of her experiences with that and how she was able to change. We also get into how important understanding your purpose and values are and how she's been able to really focus on this. So I really look forward to sharing this with you now. Like I said, I enjoyed it, and I think you're going to as well. So we'll jump in without further ado. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way if you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients then i'm your guy i'm your host and financial expert daniel rin let's get started welcome latifat to the podcast great to have you thank you for having me here finally i'm so glad we got to get together we've talked a few times and i know i'm really looking forward to this you have a lot of cool things going on we were just kind of chatting about it beforehand, but I think one of the things that really struck me when we first met about you is you just are one of those types that really seems to be living in alignment with your values and, you know, are true kind of like living into your true self, which these days I feel like is relatively uncommon, unfortunately, like a lot, there's a lot of like fake in the world, like a lot of people trying really, really hard to kind of, and we all struggle with that at times, you know, in this expectation of perfection and all that kind of thing but you are just such a great example i think of living into more of your true self and living in line with those values and you have a lot going on too which i think we'll get into as well you've got your practice and you've got this money fit brand that you've built and all the things that are happening with it you're about to take a sabbatical so it's i think we're gonna have a great conversation before we jump into all that i would love it if you could just kind of give us a little bit more kind of about you and how you've gotten where you are today?
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited about being here. I've been looking forward to, we've chatted a couple of times and I've enjoyed our conversation. So I hope your audience gets to hear a little bit of what some of the conversation has been about. But for those that I haven't met, I'm Dr. Latifat. I'm a physician. I'm a gastroenterologist. I live in California. I'm the mama of three little ladies and they keep me alert and oriented (laughs) most times and extremely sleepy many times. But they are truly, and I know it sounds cliche, but they're truly the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do. They're the reason why I'm here in a lot of ways, not in like weird unhealthy relationship with parenting kind of way, but they're my motivation to get up and do more of what I do because I truly want this world to be better for them. They are girls. The world hasn't always been friendly towards girls. The money world hasn't always been that way. So my goal is to help create a world where girls can have a a better opportunities when it comes to money. But my journey didn't start as a mom. I started as a, you know, I grew up in Nigeria. I moved to the U.S. about 20 something years ago. I knew zero about money. And in fact, the only thing that I knew about money was this educational piece that I got, which was, there is this amazing thing called a credit card. You can use it whenever you want and you don't even have to pay everything. It's pretty awesome. Like that was all my (laughs) financial education right there. Right. But, you know, I went through undergrad. I went to UCLA. I did two years of a community college in LA, El Camino College. Shout out to an amazing school. And then I did two years at UCLA, graduated with a with a major in microbiology, immunology, and molecular genetics. After that, I went to UCSF, and then eventually internal medicine in Mount Sinai, New York, fellowship at UC Davis in Sacramento, and then I stayed here locally in Kaiser to practice gastroenterology with an emphasis on IBD. But, you know, the longer the journey you are to your destination, the more broke you are. (laughs) So (laughs) for me, I was literally brokety-broke. I knew zero about money except for that all of that amazing financial education that I just summarized for you. Went through med school, had student debt, and no one ever talked to us about how we're going to pay it off. It was just like I looked around and everybody was acting like it was normal to have all the student debt. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to complain. So I took the student debt. And for me as well, to be honest with you, like my parents spent a lot of time in Nigeria back then. And so my siblings and I lived together in the Bay Area. And out of all of us, then I was the one with a guaranteed source of income, and my guaranteed source of income was my student loan. So as much as student debt gets a lot of hate, for me, I'm so glad that I had access to it, because that's how we're able to pay for rent. That's how we're able to make sure like the PG&E wasn't disconnected, like the really practical things. And at that point, there were five of us. So my older brother, myself, and three younger sisters, The youngest was in high school. So literally, I'm just glad that we had money to eat. And again, my student debt was the reason why we were able to do that. But I had no plans on how I was gonna tackle it or take care of it. And then I went to New York for residency. My youngest sister went with me, lived with me. So we were here living in Manhattan, two adults on a resident salary. Honestly, I wish someone had told me about government support because I think who would have qualified for it where heck of broke. So I wasn't like out partying, I was not traveling, but I also didn't know what to do with the money stuff. I just hoped that I would be in a place in future where I would be able to take care of it. And then I went through, I had my got married in residency, had my first kid in residency, had one in fellowship and one as an attending, and I remember going through fellowship, knowing that I was finally was accomplishing my dream, which was to be a physician, a, be a GI doctor. And I was like, oh my goodness, Like finally, right? And then I just had this moment where I looked around and a lot of my attendees were burning out. They were burning out. They were sort of like accepting and not resisting any decisions that were being made. Or was like, well, that's what we're told to do. So we just got to do it. And I'm like, I did not suffer all of this journey. My parents didn't sacrifice all they did. I went like five years without seeing my mother. Like We did not do all that nonsense so I can be burned out in medicine. And at that point, I also knew that I wanted to do I wanted to have a focus in inflammatory bowel diseases, which is best done in settings like academia or large hospitals like Kaiser. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I was going to be working for someone. And if you look at the data, there's a lot of burnout in medicine. And if you're employed, you may be at higher risk of burning out. So here I was looking around, my attendants were burnout, smart attendants, amazing humans, but burned out by the culture of medicine. Here I was a mother that I spent so much time in hospital as a resident and fellow not seeing my kids. And I knew that the worst thing that could ever happen to me was to lose my voice. The worst thing that could ever happen to me was to leave life half-assed is what I called it with one butt cheek. I'm a GI doc, like leaving <laughs> life with one butt cheek and not both butt cheeks. And that was just the worst thing that could happen. So that was my motivation to figure out my money crap. And this is literally just seven years ago, so not a long time ago. So I went from knowing zero about money to really learning the basics of money, learning how to translate it in a language that made sense for me. And you know, we started investing in real estate, diversifying our income sources. And over the last couple of years, I'm really grateful for what we I have created personally. And then now I help women physicians by teaching them the fact that it doesn't have to suck. We don't have to defer to a spouse. We don't have to think we don't have a choice in how we live our life. Because I truly believe that if we want to change medicine, we need to figure out how to give physicians their voice, help physicians strengthen the power of their voice. And for me, money is a vehicle or a tool in that. So hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention when I was starting to introduce you, one of the other things I love is you have such a great, positive mindset you know i mean that's i think important or you know a nice i don't know i that's been a learned skill for me but like looking at student loans as a positive thing and you can spend things different ways some things are definitively positive but when there's when they're when it's up in the air being able to kind of view things positively i think is a huge it just improves life
1: so you know what's funny and I'm totally going to go on the side, whatever here. I actually don't like positive. (laughs) I don't like being positive. And the reason why is that whenever we're like, okay, what's positive? What's negative? Our brain starts to scan out and think of socially accepted or defined positive or negative. Mm -hmm. I like to think about what's helpful or what's productive versus not like sometimes I'm pissed off and I want to be pissed off and that may not be positive for people to think about, but that's helpful for me that's productive for me to be able to do like the advocacy work I want to do or the change that I want to do or stuff like that so I get I'm glad that it's coming off to you as positive but I'm one of those people yeah. that I try to get away or stay away from positive positive. and the reason why is when I start to think positive I go back into my people pleasing self which that's is a true. lot of work that I've done so I'm like I want it to be productive I want to be pissed off I want to be excited I want to be tired I want to be pessimistic about the things I deserve to be pessimistic about but yeah. for me though it has to be productive that's a that's the main thing
0: yeah I like that I'm glad you said that and you know feeling your feelings and all the things and not just like begging it till you make it even though you know be positive even though it's a challenging situation that's it's a piece of free right it's there's times when you don't really necessarily need to be that way. So I'm glad you've shared that money. I agree money's a completely a tool to help improve life. And your story is a good example of, you know, you saw this challenging situation you were in with, you know, wanting to go into this world where they were burning out and you're like, man, I gotta, so you found this motivation to start digging into money. Was it like a flip of the switch? Like how did like that actually happen? Like, did you just you know, slowly come to that point of like connecting this whole, like money is my solution or one of the solutions to kind of, or was it like a slow progression or, and then also like, how did you start to do that? Like once you realize like money's the thing, how did you then like dig in?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The way that I, it, you know, a thought that I have is a lot of change and decision actually doesn't take time. It takes a second but it's warming ourselves to the process that may take some time or chewing the risk and benefit or not deciding. But deciding itself takes a second. You just decide and you do or not do. And so for me, it was it kind of was like gathering data that led to that point. So the data was people are burnt out. The ones that tend to have their money together seems to have a stronger voice or a healthier voice than those that don't. And then I looked at my kids and I'm like, what is my part in their life? Like, how am I going to, you know, I believe that the work of every generation is to elevate the next generation. That's part of the work. Of course, you don't do it in a way that's like suffering, but I believe that my work is to make sure that my kids have better opportunities that I have had so they don't always have to start from scratch, right? My parents, right, they tried the best that they could and I have a, I had a better platform to start with than someone that may not have grown up with parents or someone that grew up maybe with a single family or someone that grew up homeless. So I definitely recognize my own privilege. But for me, I thought that my goal and my work was to help my kids not start from where I started from, make it a little bit less hard for them. That was my goal. I don't want them to have to support their siblings. Like if they don't have to do that, I feel like that's already a huge deal. So all of that together was what made me realize that, okay, Latifah, when are you going to start learning your money? Like, when are you going to even figure out how much you owe? I didn't know who I owed. I, you know, my my student debt, I signed whatever crap, got it out of my face, like forbear, defer, I don't care. Like, and to Sally, I don't care. Just don't bother me and let me, because I don't even know what I'm signing, right? So it really was a split moment of deciding that, okay, I'm going to start. And Mm -hmm. once I decided that it was literally starting from the basics, like, what do I owe? How much do I owe? What interest rates? How do I know where my money is going budgeting? Okay. I'm going to try that budgeting thing. Oh, I hate budgeting. Right. And then figuring out like ways that were kinder in my opinion, to me, the other thing that happened was, unfortunately, when it comes to money, there's a lot of shaming, and guilting when it comes to money, we already shame ourselves, right? And when you cannot find a community that is supportive, a community that acts like, how don't you know that? Like you should, how can you practice medicine when you don't know what a freaking 401k was? Like I say, if it's automatic information that should just come to us without someone taking the time or us taking the intentionality to learn it. So it was not pretty, it was not fancy. It was literally like Googling, like what is a budget? I hate Mm. spreadsheets. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How do I figure this out? Like what's a 401k? I literally tried to learn what a 401k was like 5 billion times. And I'm smart. I'm a freaking physician. So it had nothing to do with my level of intelligence. It was Mm. like fear and pressure that I was putting on myself. And honestly, it wasn't until I told myself I did not have to memorize anything that I started to really get the knowledge. I just told myself, all this stuff exists as a reference. I know what I want to do. I'm going to reference what a 401k is until I it gets implanted in my brain. So it wasn't a matter of like memorizing it. Like I'd memorized a lot of things in medicine. It was literally having a better relationship with my learning experience. And that way my, you know, I sort of lowered my defenses and I was able to gather the information a little bit easier and smoother and more productive. Because mm-hmm. again, it doesn't matter how much you know, if you're not doing the work, if you're not taking the action, you know, people say knowledge is power. I disagree. I think knowledge plus action is power, right? So it's sort of like with the little that I may know, how do I actually implement that take action on that so that I can create the result that I want to see in my life, which is have money, be financially liberated, create wealth, and not and be able to live life really on my terms.
0: Yeah, I'm like taking notes Because this I'm is like, good I'm like, what do you type in? I just had to write it down. So that's important stuff. I think you were in touch with it, seemed like you were in touch with what was most important to you, which was like, you know, helping your kids to, you know, be for it to not be quite as hard for them and setting them up really well. And then also there was this thing about like not getting into this burnout setup and your professional success tying to it. And then also this whole living life on your terms and then the flexibility provided. And you tied into those things as like the motivation to do the money thing or learn all the money stuff and i think a lot of people it takes them a while to get to that place like a lot of us like me i had kind of got i got in a relationship directly with the money for a while i was like the money is the thing like my goal was the money for many years you know like i i was like You know, if you looked at my goals, I had these goals that were like, you know, get this amount of money, but really it was just like my relationship was, or my goals were tied to more money. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. Was that ever like a thing for you that you had to go through, or did you just kind of naturally connect straight to these more personal goals?
1: It was the personal goals for me because my relationship with money wasn't good. It was ignore each other. We're like not even roommates. We lived in the same house, but we never talked. We took rotations in the kitchen and didn't like, it was like, you know, <laughs> that was my relationship with money. So I could not let that be my motivation because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work. So I had to find out what, literally what gives me a life. And that's going to be different for different people. But when I found my thing, which was, I truly believe that we're all here, and I, whether you agree with that or not, I truly believe that we're all here for a purpose, right? I also know that in order for us to be able to do what we're meant to do, which is gonna be different for different seasons, it's gonna be important for us to be able to speak with confidence. And if you look around in our culture, the way that life for many people is structured doesn't help us live a life of purpose, right? Because the way the system is run is paycheck to paycheck living, right? You make money, you pay the bills, and you rely on the next paycheck coming, which is why people don't have time to do things like sleep, rest, take care of themselves, be present with family, be present with kids, think about like have time to think. And so you literally just have to decide what do I like, what do I want in my life? Do I want the status quo? Which there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But if you truly want to be able to live a life of purpose. And for me in this season, my purpose has been taking care of my patients. I love what I do. It truly is a gift to do what I do. But in order to be able to do that, I need to be able to say as many, can I say S word? Sure.
0: <laughs> <Shit>. All right, <laughs> shit.
1: I need to be able to say as many shit as I want to do. And I cannot say as much shit as I want to say if I'm worried about my paycheck and the, you know, the, and for me, it's like being able to speak the language of my patients. Right. And so not just even like about life outside of work, but even life within work, like to be able to tell my people, yeah, this shit sucks. I agree. And just speak in a language. I mean, this is fact, not brag, but I honestly don't think it's a it's a coincidence that I have one of the highest like physician rating in my specialty in our region. And it's really because I don't give a shit. And because (laughs) I don't, I can really give a shit where it matters, which is where it takes care of my patients, tell them the truth. Like it is be there with them cry. If I want to cry with them, tell them, listen, do you sure you want to hear what I got to say? Cause you ain't going to like it right? And not have to worry about the things that are not important. It's helped me be a better physician. And so it's not just about like wealth creating outside of work or diversifying income source. It literally is a tool that helps us live on purpose for, you know, the purpose that we've been created for. So I don't know, hopefully that answers your question.
0: No, I think that's really good stuff. I think people have a hard time. Most people would agree, I think, with what you said, or they're like, that's aspirational and that sounds great. And I would love to do that. But I think we all struggle with, you know, living into that and people-pleasing and, you know, so when I described you at the very beginning, I was like, you seem like someone that's living your true self. I don't know how I worded it, but something like that. And that's to me kind of the opposite of like faky people-pleasing, like doing so much concern about what others think and, i you know i see i've felt this in myself and i have seen this even my kids and like everybody struggles with this is like this whole you get so wrapped up in like other people and like what they think about you and then what the systems you know requires of you and expectations and perfection and all this other stuff that's like kind of imposed on you and it pulls you i think away from what you just described Mm -hmm. and it's hard
1: it's hard and it's hard for me too what you see is the result of a lot of work. A lot of work in terms of work, it literally is intentional work. I've paid for coaching with crazy people so I can go away from that people pleasing self for myself. It's also a reflection of, for me, my relationship with God. It's a reflection of that. I literally like... This is not, like what you see is the result of intentionality, right? It's literally me waking up every day and deciding to meditate and pray and refocus every single day, refocus myself on like, what's important? Still people, please. It's not, please, no perfectionism here. It's very, very imperfect. I still do. And I have to bring myself back in touch with removing myself from that and really asking myself, like, how do I, like, what is valuable? At the end of the day, on my deathbed, the person who was reading my post on Facebook isn't really going to matter, right? <laughs> so just bringing myself back to what is important, but I want to make sure that everybody hearing this doesn't think that I was, maybe I was born, actually, I think I was born this way, but a lot of times we're socialized with life and all that. We're taught to go away from how we were created, and now I've just had to spend a lot of money and go back to have, improving my relationship with my faith and with God so that I can get back to what I was designed to be in the first place.
0: I completely agree, and I think living into your purpose requires I mean, it's hard work and there's other people you can surround yourself, around, you know, even just your friends too, and the people you hang out with and coaches and you've invested in yourself, which I think is really important. You, If you've listened to our show for a while, you've heard like some of the, you know, what I would consider the people that are living their life, you know, the best or the most true form. A lot of them have invested a lot in themselves and coaches and that kind of thing. That's super important. And I think that's a really important observation in your story. And then your faith is important. Everybody has to, I don't try to like push that agenda. I mean, I believe what I believe and you believe what you believe. And we happen to have similar beliefs, but I think I would challenge everybody to like ask important questions. Like, why am I here? You know, like, that's a good question. Some people like dodge it, but like everybody has that question. I mean, come on. Like I've asked it like 7 million times to myself, especially in my like 20s, early 20s. I'm like, what is, what is the purpose of this life I got here going on? And, you know, I think it's worthwhile to explore that because then you can find like your true purpose and, or explore that and deep thinking and that sort of thing. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Wren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Wren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show.
1: Absolutely. 100% agree. And it's going to change, right? Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's one big purpose necessarily only, right? It's going to change in seasons and whatever seasons you are. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about my sabbatical, my purpose for my sabbatical, I mean, the last couple of years have been to serve my patients to the best that I can without sacrificing my own life. That's been important. And now during the sabbatical, it's going to be a different purpose. So it's going to be in seasons, but at the end of the day, we're going to look back at our lives and just the wealth and breadth of diversity and the texture, different texture Mm -hmm. that our life. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to my 80 year old self.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um I'm, it's in seasons it's so so much seasons and you know the winter you know the winter happens everybody's got the winter and it gets tough and then it you get the summertime and spring and the fall and it's all changing which that's partly what i mean it would be kind of boring like having the same season all day every day and you know you would start to like not have anything to look forward to but really life is up and down and and it's exciting and that's i think one of the best parts about it. So you have, you've really got a lot going on, but now you threw out the sabbatical. And so that's kind of like a hard stop. I mean, that's like, I have, I love the idea of a sabbatical, but I'm like, I don't know how I I'm very go, 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 and you know, a million different things going on. And I'm just curious ab- about that. Are have you ever done it before?
1: I've never done a sabbatical before.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe before we go into the sabbatical, I really wanted to ask you like money. So money is a tool and you are doing all these things and you've been able to accomplish these things. And so money has, you know, for you, it sounds like Ben, you've been able to figure out money. You're obviously teaching it to other women and and using it as a tool. Can you give us like a few like specific examples? And this leads right into the sabbatical. I assume that's tied into your financial position, but I really just wanted to hear it from you and make sure.
1: What's your question?
0: <laughs> where has the money tied into all this, your ability to do these things and 100%, live out your values?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I recognize that privilege and I call it a privilege, but I'm also recognizing the fact that I, thankfully by God's grace, I created that. Mm. And that's just the honest truth, right? Me seven years ago would not be able to do this, right? And I created that by deciding to do my money stuff. Mm-hmm. I created that by deciding that money only was not the goal. It was a tool that had to be in parallel with my life, but it wasn't going to be focusing on the money only. And that's important. I, have through coaching and intentionally investing in my brain and in my life and in my communities, I am in spaces where large numbers are talked about. And it's not only about the money. It's not only about the dollars. Because there are many people that talk about bigger numbers that I have that would not dare to do what I'm doing right now because their mindset is not there it's possible for everybody so again it's the money but it's also how we think about it our relationship with money which is where the mindset piece is coming from but a hundred percent and then I'll you know y'all people have you so I know they have a lot of knowledge and information only already by the way but I'm gonna add a little bit of my own stuff and how I think about it. So the core pieces that has helped in terms of like getting to this point is number one, I don't care about my budget, I care about my spending plan. Like what is my money doing? Where is my money going? My money's like little armies. Are they going into places that adds value to my life? If someone looked at how I'm spending my money only and haven't met me, what picture will they have of the person whose account this is? And will I be proud of that person, right? The other question I like to ask myself, six months from now, will I be glad I spent the money this way or will I wish that I had my money back? When you ask that question, it's without judgment. It's curiosity only. It really helps you dial down to the things that are important for you. There are seasons in my life where I'm like, oh, I spend so much in childcare, right? I don't love spending in childcare, but I'm so grateful that my kids have spaces that they can go to where they're safe, where they can be loved while I'm in the hospital, right? So even though I don't necessarily like spending the money, I'm grateful for what I'm getting in return for that money that I'm spending. So that's how I think about spending. That's how I align my spending with my life, not just, not necessarily what I like. But what i'm grateful for what adds value to my life and what is going to help me be in a position to have money in 10 years from now in 20 years from now in 30 years from now and that's the investment piece the asset buying piece versus like the liability buying piece so that's the spending part and then with debt i'm not one of those people that tells them like debt is bad it's meant by the devil you're gonna die 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 now with the <laughs> ddd debt no none of that nonsense i tell people You know, the question is debt is something that a lot of times people don't use well, and that's why it's a problem, and what I mean by not using it well is I'm so glad I had my student debt I wasn't at that time, because I didn't know a lot about money right, but now when I look back I'm so grateful that I have it because it's literally given me this MD degree, that is now a seed that can grow into whatever freaking tree I want to plant like. It, it is the best investment that I've, one of the best investments that I've made in my life. Right. And I tell people that yes, the student loan company and all that rules need to change, but if we just go back to the business part of things only, and you know, you are in the business world. If someone comes and goes, there is this business that I want you to invest 250,000 in. And every single year after 10 years or after whatever years, like this investment that you've invested, you're going to be able to make that return that amount back every single year.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: you're going to go, what's the catch?
0: Right. So when I
1: spin it, right, when I spin it that way, I still think things need to change. They need to have like a maximum. They need to have super low interest because I don't think that student loans and students should be what, you know, like being predated on or whatever that English word is. But the bottom line is how we think about debt matters spending, borrowing money to spend on liabilities, things that don't increase your net worth or does not improve your wellness and the core, Foundational part of it that I don't necessarily recommend. Not judgment, but more of you're going to pay for it later. Right. But when you take debt and leverage it as an asset. So, for example, if I'm investing in real estate, I'm not paying all 100% cash down. I made you like 20% down. And, you know, this is stuff that I share on my podcast. I share with my mo- women in my money program about just like how I've been able to use debt with wisdom without over-leveraging, because that's also important, right? Not treating debt like it's made by the devil, but also not treating it like you ain't going to pay it back. You will pay it back. So making sure that if you're going to use debt, you're leveraging it as an asset. So if I'm going to use debt, I'm asking myself, what's the return on that investment? And the return on the investment has to be able to pay for itself and some so that it's worth it. And I have to make sure that I have my emergency funds so that if something happens, I'm able to make sure that I'm not over-leveraged. That's how I think about money. And then of course the diversifying and the diversifying doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy. If you are, whether you're a physician and you listen to this podcast, you're a pharmacist, whatever it is that you do, I think of that main source of income as a gift that you can now use as seeds to plant into different trees. And whether that's in the stock market or outside of the stock market, that diversifying is important. And making sure that when you're diversifying where you're investing, you're also diversifying so that it's not... Diversifying, keeping the time in mind, meaning that when you're working as a pharmacist, when you're working as a nurse or whatever else you do, you're there exchanging your time for money. So when you're diversifying, it's important to make sure you're also diversifying into things that makes you money while you're not exchanging your time with money eventually right? Every single thing requires investment in learning. So even if it's passive investment, you still need time to actually learn. But after that learning phase, then you'd be able to harvest and actually get returns on your investment. So those are the core principles that I truly think affected how we are today when it comes to our finances, how we are today in terms of how we're able to say, you know what, I'm going to stop getting multiple six figures of clinical income, and I ain't going to die. Right. So that's kind of the principle of it. But you have to be you have to make sure that your relationship with money is a healthy one. You have to make sure that you're not defining yourself based on how much you have or not have. So your relationship with money has to be solid or at least decent, and your relationship with yourself also has to be good. You have to be willing to like yourself no matter what. Whether you have debt or not, do you like yourself? And it's a work in progress. I haven't always liked myself. There are moments when I don't like myself, right? Mm -hmm. But just know that the goal and the North Star is to improve your relationship with yourself so that regardless of what you have or do not have, you know that you always have your own back. And the reason why that's been helpful is it's actually helped me a lot with investing because it increases your ability to release the money to go work for you because, you know, having it be multiple seven figures or multiple six figures is not attached to my joy in any way. So that way I can really let money do what it's meant to do, which is go, you know, gather its brothers and sisters and cousins <laughs> and grow. And multiply. you know that's how your net worth grows. Yeah. So yeah,
0: that's what I, I mean. Got. Just sit, sitting there doing nothing is no good. And then also, you know, spending on things you don't truly value those things. I'm sure you've seen some of the happiness research out there. That's really cool because it, I mean, the general consensus, there's all kinds of research out there, but the general consensus is that like, you know, like saving to some extent and investing and giving your money away to good causes and experiences are some of the best, like happiness, ROI investments you could possibly make. And then investing in time savings is another one that's high on the list and you threw out all sorts of things like that on the bottom of the list is like material possessions, especially things you don't use are like, you know, kind of a waste and especially when you finance them, that's like kind of the lowest on the totem pole of like your happiness. And I think that can pull you other direction. And I love the way that you kind of broke it all down like that. It's just, those are some foundational things. If I'm hearing that, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sure if my relationship is solid. Like I get the three points you break down really good, but like, I'm not, I'm concerned about my relationship. How do I know if I have a good relationship with money?
1: So your relationship with anything is your thoughts about it. A lot of times we think that our thoughts are facts. (laughs) We think they're like absolutely true, right? And the way that, and a good example, of how I know our thoughts are not always accurate is if you've ever had a friend that's dating someone And they have amazing thoughts about that person so they have like oh my goodness this person's like amazing the most amazing and then you meet the person the dude and you're like what the hell (laughs) like (laughs) right so it's not facts it's thoughts. she has thoughts about this dude and you have thoughts about them and the same thing is true for anything right it's the same reason why someone can be head over heels in love with another person and then a couple years later they're like i hate you i think you're horrible i think you're selfish it's because those thoughts change so our thoughts can change our thoughts don't have to be fixed and that includes our thoughts about money so when I think about my thoughts about money like is money there were times when I thought money was truly the root of evil there were times when I thought that if I ask for money I'm greedy there were times when I thought like money I don't need money I don't want money like I'm happy without it. I don't, right. And there's nothing wrong with those thoughts. And again, going back to the original point I made earlier, it's not about positive or negative. It's about, is this helpful for you? Is this getting you towards your goal, the outcome that you're trying to get to? And if it's not, I would invite my, you know, your audience and the people that are listening to this to just examine the fact that, is it possible that one, I mean, and this, so, this is one of the stuff that I actually happened to me, which was, the whole thought about money is the root of evil. It made zero sense to me. Zero mm. sense because I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Cause the way I think about money, I mean, I do like money and I do think I love money, but what, how would that be a bad thing? Right. And I had to go down and really sit down and break it down and understand that actually money is not like the love of money is not the root of evil. It's obsession with what I valued over everything else in life. And I would hurt you to get it that's what is wrong. That's what is not helpful. So, but those are thoughts that definitely started to evolve my relationship with money. When mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, money is a tool that doesn't define me. It's presence or its absence does not define me. It's just literally like mascara, or I don't know if you don't use mascara, like, I don't know, Master? beard, beard, mascara for the eyelashes. Oh, or mascara. Whatever. I
0: don't like use the, mascara.
1: <laughs> like the mustache brush, you know? It's yeah. meant to, you know, right? It's in our hands but it's an amplifier of who we are if you're a sucky person money becomes a suckier thing in your hands if Mm -hmm. you're a decent person you get and i think i'm decent i think most people are decent but become something that we can use to effect and accessories in our hands that we can use to impact and create more changes in this world
0: yeah i think the common thing people say is money is the root of all evil but they don't really know where that came from or whatever and when you explain keep digging into that. That's another helpful thing that it sounds like you've kind of developed this discipline. It's like, if you can really just peel back the layers on your thoughts and say, well, where's that coming from? Like the love, the money is the root of evil. Well, it's actually the love of money is the root of evil, but like, what do they mean by love? So it's like this worship of money is real. The the whole original place that it was written in the Bible was like about the worship of, or making money an idol was kind of the the wording of it or the purpose of it being written there. And so that's kind of what I was describing with me early in my professional career is I was kind of going down that path where I was like, money is the thing that I'm after. And that is a problem. Like that is a bad thing. You don't want to, it's a slippery slope. You don't want to go down, but when you flip the script on it and redefine money as a tool, then it's about what are you using money for? You can use tools for positive or negative. So it's all about like how you use it
1: absolutely absolutely it's like a knife right a knife is amazing when you're trying to cut something amazing but if it's in the hands of a kid it could be dangerous so that's the same thing as money it's a tool that it's more of who is handling it that defines it as opposed to the tool itself
0: yeah no that's good stuff so you have i'd love to talk a little bit more about money fit you are helping other women to kind of work through some of this are you you have the podcast so the podcast is money fit md right
1: Yes, it is.
0: Yeah, so definitely go and check that out. And I know I listened to a few of your shows, and you—it's a lot of this stuff we've been talking about. They're all great shows, and you know if you want to dig into that. And then also you have the—do you do coaching one-on-one or is it group coaching?
1: I do group coaching—it's called. I have a community that I call. Money, you can call it a money coaching school for women physicians, but it's a 12-month membership where women seven years ago they get the and the core of the financial education. And like I mentioned earlier, knowledge is great, but knowledge is not power. Knowledge plus action is power. So the goal over the next 12 months is to really help them make moves that they want to make with their money, it's not about just having cash, it's about education the community, the coaching, but we also have guests coming to the program. So you've had things like syndicators coming to the program. They had a really fun session last week where we had one of our amazing... A workshop on vacation, like how to schedule your vacation in advance. Yo, we're physicians, we work hard, we got to rest hard, right? And that same person is mm. going to be talking about like how to schedule your staycations. And so it's not all about just numbers in terms of like dashing for the numbers, it's numbers building wealth, but building a wealthy life is how I think about it.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great place, especially if you're like not sure where to start. I've heard it a lot from physicians we've interacted with it's like a lot of times it's like i'm not sure where to start or like maybe i don't have a great relationship or like i don't have any sort of foundation you know of financial literacy or it's just overwhelming and i think those you know your resources are fantastic examples of like starting to kind of build that foundation and that's what it's about is like building that foundation and what's great about what i love about like group related things is you get kind of twofold, like you get the financial literacy part, but then you also start to get relationships built and accountability and that drives more of the action. Cause I agree, it's not just about the education, it's you have to take action on it. And sometimes that's the hardest part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny what you described about how you were with money. We have people that come in like that, where they already have a lot of knowledge They've done things like have investments already. They have properties. They have money in their stock market. But they're like, I don't feel the way that I thought money was going to feel right so those people it's not about the math that they need help with it's not about the knowledge it's about mm-hmm. now moving to like changing our relationship with money. so essentially it's, if you're not creating the wealthy life, if you don't have a good relationship with money, if you don't see money as a tool that augments if you like having cash but you're not investing, if you have investments and you still are not living your wealthy life, then those are the things that will help people within there as well
0: yeah, that's a pretty common thing I, I would say is that like if I had not change my direction. I was headed down that path of like, more money does not equal happiness. I mean, it can translate to happiness, but it's not direct in itself. Like more money in itself does not create happiness. I think some of us have to learn that through experience and failure. And hopefully though, it's better. I mean, it's better to learn through mistakes of other people. Can I challenge
1: you a little bit? Sure. So I think it's easy for us to talk about money and happiness but what about money and freedom
0: yeah what is happiness you know yeah I think the question is like what do we what is freedom
1: yeah right because there are different layers when it comes to you know, I use the term financial liberation quite a bit. There are different layers to it. I think the first step is having the money stuff figured out the basis of financial, you know, financial education, the investment tools and all that. But there's now also like the freedom. Freedom is really where the, that's where people need to be in order to be able to live the life of purpose is to be able to freedom
0: from freedom from what?
1: Freedom from whatever they define it. It could be freedom of time. It could be freedom of voice. To be like, I can't tell you how many people cannot say what they think. Because we're afraid that something is going to happen. And then all the imaginary stuff. So like as physicians in clinical practice, for example, I truly believe that when physicians are able to put our brain to the table, medicine will change. But I cannot tell you how many physicians are afraid to give their honest opinion in a way that's not dependent on their outcome. So that we can actually effect change that is the level of freedom that i believe is going to take for us to change things in the world so money is the first step but money again is a tool to create and part of the wealthy life is you're not going to feel like you have a wealthy life if you cannot express yourself kindness matters right loving others matters but i truly believe that in order for us to really live a life of full like elevated purpose that is not just like the grind we've been conditioned to it's going to take freedom, which is separate. We've been sold happy, but nobody's talking about freedom. I call it liberation. So financial liberation is a goal.
0: Yeah. Is it possible to get freedom without money?
1: I think so. It's possible to have freedom without relationship. However, if you want to create big changes, if you want to have seats at tables, we live unfortunately in a world where if you don't have money, if you're not backed up by money, Unfortunately, and I wish this was not the case, it decreases the strength of the ability of people to hear you. And so I wish it wasn't. And I think if you have money, that's part of the work that money can do is for us to help empower and bring highlight or highlight other people and things that may not have the resources to back them up yet, right? That's leveraging. We're leveraging our money to use for people that have freedom, but may not have the money so that we can do all that together. So Mm -hmm. that's why I truly think everyone should have money.
0: Yeah, I mean, money, and that goes back to, as long as they're using it as a helpful tool to accomplish that, That's it's more is better in in that sense. It's just kind of like amplifying it all.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: I'm curious about your future plans because I know, you know, you have a lot going on right now, but more like the future, what are you working towards? Like, are you kind of working towards this, you know, is it related to your entrepreneurship endeavors or developing that or early retirement? I don't imagine that's the case, but what does your ideal future look like?
1: Is it weird if I tell that I don't know?
0: Yeah. No, that's completely weird. Just kidding. (laughs) Nobody. That's what everybody's... That's the true answer.
1: Actually, I don't know. And part of the sabbatical is to take some time to answer questions for the next season that I'm going into. I love medicine. So I definitely want medicine to be a part of it. I love it. And I think I'm actually decent at it. So I would like to be able to do GI. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm coming to the negotiation table and the ability to practice you know, how you're negotiating with someone, you're like, this is my no-negotiables." like, for me, being able to practice medicine is something that I truly, truly want to do. And now I get to ask myself what that's going to look like. However, I also know that part of my work in this season of my life is, you know, is to help other women physicians and other physicians in general, just have that liberation that I talked about. And that liberation is going to require money, but it's going to require more than just money. It's going to require money, relationship with money, relationship with self, and relationship with others as well. So this is what I feel like I'm being guided to. It's literally, and I I know for sure, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know what the goal is, and the goal is to empower women physicians. And I want to be able to practice medicine as well, but I don't know what that's going to look like in mm-hmm. a year from now.
0: And the sabbatical year, that's one of the, primary goals of it is to kind of have some space to think through that and
1: I think so I think the goal of a sabbatical is almost like to reset my life and Mm -hmm. you know how like sometimes it's easier to make small changes but sometimes to make like big changes you just gotta like cut it out so I think like the point is like cut it out (laughs) Mm. so I can use a different part of my brain. So I'm going to be money feed MD is something that I've been doing while working there full-time. So now I get to do that for this year by itself. You know, I get to do the book that I told you that I'm working on that actually is going to be coming out in May. I get to actually, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this book. And the reason why I'm excited about it is my life is literally a bunch of things I never thought I would ever do. And (laughs) literally, and my, And that's the thing, I challenge everybody listening to this episode to create evidence for themselves of the fact that what they thought they could or could not do is complete BS, (laughs) (laughs) right? So there were times when I thought, I used to think I was a horrible writer because I have so many memories of sitting down in the bathroom crying in college over really difficult papers, right? So I thought I was not a good writer. I thought I could not talk on camera. I hit people knowing me. I had a fake name on Facebook for a very, very long time until like literally a year ago, believe it or not, right? So- I had all those thoughts about myself. I don't do money. I don't do business. I have one skill only, and it's being a good physician. That's Mm. the only skill. Like those were all thoughts that I have about myself. So part of the reason why I'm excited about this book is another evidence to myself of the BS thoughts that I had about myself. So it's laughable because I thought I was bad at writing and (laughs) I have this book that is going to help so many humans. And I am, I mean, I literally didn't know I was going to write a book until two years ago when the idea was like, you know, all the stuff you're teaching and talking about, it's not what is being taught in mainstream financial education. It's really like the foundational principles of money that no one is talking about. Like the math is easy this is the hard part like the mindset shift how we think about it like the foundation of our money story our spending plan knowing that you can be the CEO of your finances and even if you have a financial advisor they could be part of your team like no one talks about that it's all or nothing in mm-hmm. how things are taught you either do it yourself only or you have an advisor only like and there's so much wealth in doing money in a wealthy way right people think you have to have cash to be wealthy no you Think wealthy, and then you create cash. That's how it works. So that's what the book is about, and it had a different name before. And I think the story is actually pretty good to share. The book that it had. So I'm working with a publishing company. They've been so they've been really really good. It's kind of like a mixture of like self publishing and like formal publishing. But they've got it called Scribe. I really recommend them if you're trying to find a place to work on books. But I. They have you know, a coach that works with you, like the naming of the book and all that. So the coach went through, and we came up with a name that sounded good, and it was called like Your Wealthy Mind Rx, you know, for women physicians. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's pretty awesome. And then we were done with, like, we locked everything up, and I just could not shake the thought. I started imagining and visualizing, which is something that I do quite a bit. And I know because I know the book is going to do great work. I started envisioning myself being introduced as the author of this book. And the person that I visualized walking on stage looks nothing like me, acts nothing like me. She doesn't even say shit, which is not like me. She's like in a skirt suit, barely walking, like just, and she was going back to that people pleasing that we talked about. And it was so hard for me, but I had to, again, make the decision that I was willing to disappoint those people in the publishing company. And I said, okay, I'm gonna have to change the name of the book because I don't think The name of the book is what the book is meant to be, and they're like well you know you probably have like cold feet it's normal, and I was like that's possible. Let me think about it, and I'm like you know what it's possible I don't think that's what it is, and again I had a thought about myself that i'm bad at naming things. Listen that's why I don't know what my future holds because I just I always underestimate what I can do right. And so anyways, now the name of the book is, I named the book myself, which I'm super proud of, and it's called Done With Broke, A Woman Physician's Guide to More Money and Less Hustle. Because done with broke is something that I believe should literally be a movement. Because people are like, but I'm not broke. I'm not saying done, being broke. Done with broke. Because the reason why we're like people pleasing at work is because we're afraid of losing money, right? We're afraid of what would happen if our clinical income doesn't happen. We're afraid of our kids not having money. We're worried about the chance that our generations and future can be broke right so literally the principles that i share in this book are going to help you be done with the word broke because i think it's something that should be out of our vocabulary like for generations to come so that's so done with broke
0: a women's physicians a women physicians guide to what was the rest of
1: money and less
0: and less awful
1: also like no hustle in this game
0: hustle okay yes yeah i love it that's awesome I love it. That's a perfect example of what you were talking about earlier. Like you, you didn't go with the title that you knew. I mean, you you made the hard decision to go against the grain and say something that was probably, you know, not popular, you know, there's pressure to keep it the same. And, but you changed it anyway. And that, I mean, that's what you, that's so much what people (laughs) have trouble with, I think these days.
1: And I I did share with two friends, the title. I said two friends and they both said they didn't like the title.
0: Which, the new one or the old one? The
1: new one. And I was just like, it just felt like what the book was meant to be called. So Uh, I submitted it anyway. And guess what? Now, weeks later, they're like, we're so sorry. We We like the name.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Somebody told me one time, they're like, because I always used to ask for feedback a lot. And I've slowed down on it. This One of my friends was like, if you don't truly want the feedback, why would you ask for it? I'm like makes yeah, a lot of sense. Like our, if you really know where you need to go with something, like you shouldn't ask for feedback. That's just going to pull you the other direction. Well, I know we got, we're running out of time. I just wanted to ask one last question. Cause I'm really curious about this is on your sabbatical. Are you, do you have like a, this is, I was going to say, do you have an agenda or like a game plan for it? But like, it feels like an, a sabbatical should just go open. I mean, like what's the plan for it? Is it just like nothing and just see how it flows or like, do you have a game plan or?
1: I don't have, well, we do have a game plan. Our plan is to travel. So we're going to be, so, you know, at the time of this, the whole family, yeah, the whole family. So I have three kids. So five of us are going to be traveling starting in two weeks, which should make me really anxious because I, my house looks like I'm not doing, I'm not moving anywhere, but we're going to make it happen. It's going to be imperfect and it's going to be stressful, but that was going to happen anyway, regardless of how prepared I am. So we are going to be traveling where right now, I think we have about 10 to 15 countries on our list. So we're going to be traveling. And part of it is just to have the space to, you know, spend time with our kids, teach them the diverse things we want them to know, including money, including, you know, faith, including book, including play. It's also time for me to play as well. I want to play. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to trying new things. I want to try one thing that is new a weird for me or a different a week that's the goal for the sabbatical and you know of course I'm still going to have money fit md I'll be doing the podcast I'm doing the money school and now I really get to sit down and even think even bigger of how I really want to impact women physicians so the goal for this time is to have some spaces of silence self-discovery and really know what I'm supposed to do in the next season that's about to start in 2024.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how it comes out on the back end because I'm just very curious about the whole concept of it and I'm glad that you're able to do it and it's so soon. So that's also exciting. And I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's been fun chatting with you and and I'm I'm thankful to kind of be around and, and gather some, share some of this knowledge that you have and some of these experiences you have. I think you're such a great example of an ideal, living that ideal life like we've talked about. So I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for what you do. I mean, honestly, I. Okay, I'm going to have to tell on you a little bit. Oh, gosh. But I told Daniel this. So when we when he reached out and. (laughs) Don't tell him this. (laughs) So when he reached out and we had to schedule like a call to get to chat and make sure we both were not crazy people that were going to like come after our audiences with like hatchets. And we talked for a long time, actually. And I said, okay, Daniel, I'm going to be honest with you. This actually was more fun than I thought it was going to be. And Mm. it truly has been a pleasure really it's been a pleasure being here but it really has been a pleasure just even talking to you offline and getting to know you a little bit I'm glad you do what you do and I think you know financial advisors in general get a bad rep and in order for them for the field to progress we're going to need people like you that are really doing what you're doing and had in like the humanism the importance of our value and things that actually are important to people so that we can again revive the field and improve the field and exploit it forward so thanks for being who you are thanks for doing all the work that you've done to get you to this point and thanks for having the podcast
0: yeah thanks for what you do too and i appreciate the kind words you've been listening to finance for physicians To make sure that you never miss an episode subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player on this show we believe that when you prioritize your finances you take better care of yourself have more fulfilling relationships with your families and most importantly provide higher quality care for your patients if you feel this way too and want to learn more then make sure to join our community follow the finance for physicians facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.